Hello, I'm here today with Steve Hall, director and founder of Green Flash Pictures. Hi Steve, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? Good. So the idea behind this podcast, as I was telling you a little bit before, is just to ask people how they got into what they're doing now and who inspired them. So I wanted to ask what age you got into directing and uh, just films in general. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'd say the the way that I've always been was um, I remember when I was young. I remember telling my parents that I wanted to be either uh, this is like as far as I knew about film and everything like that that you could be an actor, right? I didn't realize that there was the whole everything behind the camera when I was that small. So I was like, I, I always want to be, I always wanted to be at least um, an actor, an artist, or a musician. I'm kind of not too good, not too good at art. And I'm not that good <clears throat> of a musician either, so um, I kind of ended up drifting towards making things. And strangely enough, the thing that got me into it was in transition year in school, I learned how to use Photoshop so that I could put lightsabers in people's hands, because that was very funny to me at the time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I kind of started at that, started at learning like After Effects and started getting into movies. And the more I got into movies, the more I kind of started to really fall in love with them. But it was actually way, way, way prior to that, uh, when I was, I'd say it's probably 10 or 11, um, this film called Signs, and I went to see it in the cinema. And I was probably too young to go and see it, because it scared, I'm allowed to curse? Yeah, go yeah, for okay. it. It scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there was something about like how you could see the aliens, but you kind of couldn't, and it was so real and raw. For a week, my parents had to like, sleep in the room with me so that I wouldn't or watch me go to sleep at least so that I wouldn't freak out but ever since that I have been obsessed with horror ever since like the week after that when I kind of calmed down all I wanted to do was watch horror films and watch like the George Romero zombie movies Sam Raimi films um, and that's kind of what's stayed with me throughout my teens and into my 20s and into my first full-on feature film. What's been <laughs> your favourite horror you've seen to date? That's kind of a tough question because I have like I have a lot of films that would have been the ones that were like super influential for me in different ways. Um, so I'd probably say if I had to narrow it down to two and they'd probably be the ones that push me into making films. Um, they'd be the original Dawn of the Dead from 1978 and Evil Dead 2 because there's something there's there's something great about how in Dawn of the Dead they've got the commentary on you know on the culture of the time and then with Evil Dead 2 how you just <laughs> you can see like the strings holding things up you can see the indie film kind of way that they that they made it and it's still brilliant and it's still kick-ass and it stands the test of time so I'd say probably those two. Do you come from a creative family? Um, yeah like I like I kind of do um, there, and the reason why I say kind of is because it's it's more so a family that are creative not so much in their profession but in kind of every other way you know so like when I was growing up it was always stories and my mom is a massive fan of like anything with Disney or kind of magical rainbows I always kind of make fun of her for that <laughs> um, but it's always been a storytelling kind of a thing so yeah like I've been I've, I've always felt the room to be able to do something a bit mad or do something a bit creative and uh yeah she doesn't quite like the horror route that i've went into okay. now <laughs> um it's usually i kind of a, i might say yeah i'm working on this idea where yeah, i think i have one of the characters i think they need to get their eyelids cut open or something like that and she's like stop stop that's enough i don't want to hear anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so it's it's uh it was definitely a creative environment nobody cut their eyelids nothing weird like yeah. that when i was growing up so that's okay but yeah <laughs>
What was the point you kind of said to your family, this is what I want to do, and were you met with a lot of support? I remember when I was 16 or 17, um, and I think it was when I was choosing, I was 16, um, when I was choosing my options in school for Leaving Cert, loads of people were doing like business and stuff like that, and I was just kind of thinking, really kind of don't want to go down that route. I, like, I know what I want to do, but also absolutely terrified. And I remember my stepdad sitting down and like the internet was not as prevalent as it is now. Like, oh, I feel old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there was like some kind of a survey thing and it was like loads and loads and loads of questions. Um, and he was like, right, you might not know what you want to do um, or if it's safe for you to go and do it. So here's the survey that is like going to tell you exactly what you should do uh, based on the questions that you answer. And it said like media, film, television, in like in the end. So that is always something that I've kind of said like, yeah, okay, well, like, look, you know, that, I suppose, as silly as it sounds, that gave me the push to go, yeah, okay, I can do that. And everybody was like, yeah, look, if you can make it work, let's do it. I went to college and I studied film and television, which was more of a, it's got more of an engineering course. But that's good because it allowed that we'll say if, if you had to work as you know like a day player on something you'd be able to pick up a camera you know how to, you know how to behave on set all these kind of things that empower you i suppose in a way as well like yeah there's always been a great great lift up and especially like all the short films i've done all the little things i've always had helping hands even my sister was in my feature film again going back to my mom hating horror stuff my sister played like a, a ghost of a young girl and had like a big cut down her face and stuff like that and like yeah really really haunted stuff and she hated it but she was there to allow like you know and my sister loved it she loved like getting all the makeup on and stuff so yeah yeah, it's always been a good family environment i suppose (laughs) do you feel like it's necessary to go and study filmmaking if you want to become a filmmaker or do you think you could learn through practical just going and doing it really that is totally like going and doing it what you just said that's it that's the way to go you know, um, I think with a film school, I think it's different because I think one of the most important things with a film school is that you get to interact with other people that don't all kind of just go, I want to be in film. You get to specify saying, well, I'm going to be an editor. I'm going to be a director of photography. I'm going to be a director. And you can forge relationships that way that will, you know, hopefully go on and on and on. I don't think it's 100% necessary to go and do that because I think if you're in an area where there's there's people that are, are interested in film, you're always going to get people that are like, yeah, I want to be an editor, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I think it's all about meeting those people and everybody kind of, do you know like human pyramid things? Mm. I think it's kind of like that, that everybody kind of helps themselves get up to the top. You know, everybody's trying to get their chance. So at that point, you get your chance to be a director, you get your chance to be a, an editor, you know, and so on. So I think that is totally the way to go and do it. Go and make it because as you go in college and stuff like that, I'm going to be brutally honest, I didn't find that I got that much from college. Um, it was definitely, I was making shorts and stuff on the side and doing that, making mistakes, and then very luckily being able to use those projects as, or use those personal films as projects in college, which was really handy. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I, I always found that making making stuff on your own was just totally the way to go off your own back everybody cares more everybody's in it because they want to be there mm. i think that makes it kind of really special there's something there's kind of magic dust about that like what were the main roadblocks you faced when you were starting out when i was really starting at like when i started like i was a teenager 
and nobody else wanted to make films <laughs> nobody else wanted to make films so like I had my best friends roped into being you know in things I suppose then like as I kind of got older went to college all these different things money is kind of really where it's at that's that's usually the biggest problem because naturally if you're trying to get people to work for free that creates a certain kind of a barrier you know um, now it can be a good thing and a bad thing because you know that's when you can get creative and you can try and make things work a certain different way and there's loads of happy accidents but there's also presents a couple of hurdles um, especially when you do something like long form doing a short where it's like two three days that's cool and you know you can kind of pull in a lot of favors and stuff like that when you start to kind of go a bit longer and move further away from a short maybe towards a feature it's challenging you know because i had done for my final year project i made a 42 minute film in that a massive undertaking for a final year project for you know for where where i was at anyway but it's really good training so uh, yeah again circle it back to, to your question money is definitely one of the things i think if you go beyond that it's just like crowded marketplace at the moment you know everybody's making stuff so back when I think of the web series that like I used to watch online and stuff, where they were like, yeah, there's like three different web series, one from Cordor Digital, I think it was called, um, oh God, oh, I can't think of it now, but it was a really, really good one, and it's like a sci-fi thing, and it hugely inspired me to make that final year project, but now it's like, there's so much stuff, Netflix wasn't really, like I don't think Netflix were doing an online platform at that time, and if they were, it was really tiny. All these things now has totally flooded the marketplace, and it's a little bit harder to stand out not impossible though. Mm. you know you still have to obviously make a good thing that hits home and just send it to the right places i think that's the most important thing speaking of a flooded marketplace how do you make your films unique yeah i think like it's it's kind of like anything if you want to have something that's going to stand apart i think there's a good balance between having something that feels like a familiar thing but then your own little outlook on it because like i think there's a great shorthand in if you're making something that people already have some kind of a familiar idea about. Not to say it's a sequel or it's anything like that, but just a concept that people already kind of know. You already have them in the door a little bit. So then you need to present your unique view of whatever that thing is to make them go, oh, right, okay, cool. That's, you know, scary, funny, harrowing, whatever it is. Yeah, I think like that's, that's kind of what I've always thought is the most important thing. Like at the moment, um, I'm on my second draft of my second feature, and like it's a sleep paralysis horror. The thing is, like when I say that to people, they go, oh, "I've had that," you know. And there's so many people that that say that that I'm like, okay, it's not such a phenomenon that you know is so rare. It's actually you know super common. I never had it until I finished the first draft, <laughs> and then I had it twice that week. Um, oh, yeah. It's, pretty extreme but it gave me a good insight to it as well I suppose so there's a silver lining because people have that visceral reaction to oh my god yeah I've had that and everybody has a slightly different story but common threads I think that is something that for me it's super encouraging because it hits that familiarity and then like I've I've never seen a horror film about that you know so like that's that's a that's a little window there I wanted to ask you about Limerick. Growing up in Limerick and trying to get into acting, I always found it really, really difficult because the market is quite small and everybody knows each other. So I think that when people are reading things or writing things, they already have the actors in mind. And I wondered how you found filmmaking in Limerick and why you decided to stay here as opposed to moving somewhere like London or New York. It's actually a funny one because while the market seemed limited to you, I came from Shannon. 
so that is like <laughs> that's like taking a, a, a massive bucket and then getting like a little a thimble you know what I mean <laughs> so like yeah coming from Shannon it was like oh there's actually people that, that want to make something I didn't have a bias of having you know like this person this person this person because I didn't know anybody mm. so it was actually there was a there was a film meetup group that started I think in like 2012 or 2011 or something like that that at that point I was living in Limerick and um, got you know I got in there so that was a massive like it's a whole new world kind of a thing um, so when you kind of move on from that then and you know like you're saying moving to London or New York or something what I realized very quickly was like I was saying how you know there's a lot of stuff online now that opens it up that I don't think you necessarily have to be in those places to make something because everybody's so interconnected that if you're making something off your own back I think it's so much more beneficial to use you know your local amenities because who's who's gonna you go over to London and you want to shoot in a location or something like that everybody in London is pretty wise to shooting and you know the whole filmmaking process you want to shoot in your local whatever it is here in Ireland they're gonna be excited about that so you know you have a lot more available to you because people know you you've got favors you know all this kind of thing so I think when you make some off your your own back it really makes a big difference there versus then when you get something where you maybe have a bit of money behind it and you can go and do something you can go and do that in London anyway yeah you know um, so I think that's it's it's definitely double-edged sword because it takes you out of the circle a little bit but you know just again it's a quick flight over from Shannon so you're talking earlier when you were studying how you got to meet different people and you know filmmaking is such a collaborative process I was wondering who you've met along the way that helped you and whether it be actors directors producers yeah well like you know there's there's it's this as long as my arm like you know <laughs> like I've I've always felt that people are like the sum total of all their experiences so like when you know when you meet somebody good or bad I think it always has a positive impact on you because you go I'm not gonna go, go do this again or I am gonna do this again I I, I, won't, I won't name the bad right okay. yeah. <laughs> they've also been very very important but the good obviously have to say my business partner Paul he's uh, Paul Thomstone you know he's really the two of us kind of went and did something crazy and made a feature film and did off our own backs funded ourselves and just made it happen that has been the biggest leap forward for me ever really I think you know, yeah. there are definitely other people like Zeb Moore and Nigel Mercer um, two actors here in Limerick that are just brilliant they've been in so many projects of mine that they've always been such a help yeah. uh, Nigel runs the acting school here, here in Limerick so he's been able to give me people that are ready for going into film and that are hungry for it and we're at the same place so it's like yeah let's join together and let's go make something I love Nigel I am um did acting classes with him up until I was about 13 so definitely that would have been like five years so he shaped everything I wanted to do and he met me last year because I was kind of struggling whether to stay in London after drama school and uh, just gave me so much good advice but in your feature film Night Shift you have quite a couple of well-known Limerick actors like David Collins, Nigel Mercier is in it, Adam Moylan, how did you cast it? Night Shift I think was like all all the shorts that I've made throughout the years think night shift was like a culmination of the people that i've worked with loved working with nigel nigel is such like he's just brilliant he's just brilliant man because you know he knows exactly what you want 
and he knows how to give it to you and as well there's like nothing about him there's no air of anything other than just totally decent dude you know so I love working with Nigel and that's the thing as well somebody can be an amazing actor and uh, well you know not be the nicest person but luckily he's both so yeah. <laughs> you know that 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 really worked well um, same thing same thing with David Collins and Adam like Adam and I are doing a short next week uh, I'm actually going to meet him after this um, <laughs> and like I love working with Adam because he's just got so much energy and he's so let's do it like this film that we're doing there's a big scene in it where um, the, the main character falls down a mountain and <laughs> damages his leg and Adam's like yeah, I'll, I'll I'll jump down the mountain. Like I'll do it. Like I'll do all the stumps. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Let alone your own health. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, we won't have a film if you break your leg for real. And he's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But I don't want you to break your leg. No, 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 no. <laughs> so yeah, I just love people that have that energy. I'm just casting them. They're all friends at this point. Yeah. Like you know. And another um, Limerick actress that is in it, uh, Ashley. Uh, Ashley Darrell. She plays the lead. Um, I'd worked with her on. Um, on a feature that uh, I was the DOP for. It's a funny one because I'd never met her, I didn't know her. I'd only seen her on set. I never got to see her when she was out of character. And she was very quiet, like she's been a very serious character. And like, I was really intimidated by her because she was so, like there's such an energy around her. And then there was one day where it was like really warm. She was there early. She was sitting outside in the sun. She goes, hey guys, like super nice. <laughs> and like that, like that was actually her. And that was such a shock because I was like, wow. I just genuinely thought like she was this scary person but it's just the character and she's brilliant she's actually like one of the nicest people and such an amazing actress like spectacular you talked a little bit before about Paul and um, I wanted to know how you set up Green Flash pictures he's obviously from Shannon as well when did you decide to set it up and what was the process behind it I think like Paul Paul was studying in Dublin for a while like years ago years and years and years ago on Facebook we were like sending each other like film ideas back and forth and I was actually I was I was in the same year as his brother so like we kind of peripherally knew each other when he got back from Dublin it was just kind of a thing of like you know I know you you want to make films and then he was like I know you you want to make yeah. films and we just started chatting I think we started with a couple of shorts that kind of we pivoted to a few different things but it was when Paul went over to the BFI for some weekend or something like that met somebody and said you should put something into the can short film corner we just went and shot just a little scene like a test scene more than anything and that was actually a film that we decided let's turn into a proper short called safe put that into the short film corner um, over in Cannes and by the time we were going to Cannes that was like let's start a business let's actually try and get money for a feature um, there was a script that we were given by a writer over in London and we're like look we have to go and do this it's it's always been like best way to describe it is it's an un, it's an unstoppable train but we just need to find our destination yet you know so like we have all the force we have all the momentum but we just need to find the right project to kind of launch and we've luckily been very very lucky with Night Shift that has had a release with Sony and like that's incredible like uh, Paul's working on like, some really exciting stuff over in London so you know it's kind of like spinning plates you know yeah um, kind of always need to keep spinning one that's about to wobble and fall and then you go to the next one and it's just a never-ending cycle <laughs> yeah speaking of Night Shift which I saw when did you decide to step away from it because the ending was so confusing when did you say this was the moment we have to end it here yeah what what I kind of wanted to have with it was that it presents multiple options. Yeah. Right. With with Night Shift, I suppose like I wrote it, I directed it, I cut it, 
any any indie film is not without its problems and obstacles and stuff. So it was it was kind of an interesting challenge to try and maintain what was on the page to what was directed on the day to what was done in the edit basically as well. I just wanted it to feel that you're wondering, well, spoilers, Don't spoil right? It. <laughs> no, I'll 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 say a couple of things. You're wondering what the true ending was and at what point did what happens in the end happen as well. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be way more confusing for anybody that hasn't seen it. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's I always like the idea of leaving the audience chatting about it after, going, "Oh, I think this is when this happened." No, no, no. This is this, and hopefully having an argument between two people. I'd love that. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> that means that your your work has elicited an emotion in some way, even if it's like, "No, no, I think it's this." You know. So yeah. What did you shoot it on? We shot it on a Sony FS700 pretty old camera um, with the Odyssey 7Q shooting raw so like I'm a DOP as well I had the guy that was actually uh, my camera assistant on that short that I mentioned uh, safe. safe he shot the feature um, so like I you know, was really impressed with his work and I asked him if he'd do it and I know that we work well together because you know we, we already had yeah we were able to use all my gear which was a massive plus because again that's usually an obstacle for trying to make an independent film is trying mm-hmm. to get all your gear your lights you know, your stabilizers or whatever you're using. So just, it's handy that I happen to have all that stuff as well. But yeah, I, I actually watched a short that I DP'd earlier that was shot on, um, I shot it on an Alexa. We had certain scenes that the Alexa was too big. So we shot it on the Sony and like it holds up so well next to an Ari Alexa. Um, you know, cheap old camera. You can get it for about 1500 now or something like that. Yeah. It's crazy, like, you know, holds up so well. So anybody that's out there looking to get a cinema camera for cheap, Sony FS700 and your Odyssey 7Q or Animal Shogun. And that's your tech tip. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any important lessons you learned while you were filming Night Shift? Yeah, like, it's... it's Night Shift has been such an education, like, all around. You know, there's managing people. That's the thing. Everybody's wearing multiple hats. People are stretched thin. There's a person that I worked with in the past, and again, one of these people that I won't mention, okay. <laughs> um, and they presented a difficulty in making the film. It's important early on, I'm being so diplomatic here, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's important early on to establish what the boundaries are for that person's creative input as well, mm. especially as a director, because I think it's very important to listen to everybody and to actually take in, you know, like like what, 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 what each person is saying, because at the end of the day, I think Steven Spielberg said it, or I heard it in a podcast that he said it or something like that, that it doesn't matter if it's the intern that comes up with the idea, because at the end of the day, you're still listening to it, you're implementing it, and it's your name, Steven Spielberg, on the end of the film. So when I heard that, I was like, that's very true. There shouldn't be an ego about who says what or gives you a great idea. But at the same time, there has to be some kind of a, a separation. So there were times, not on night shift, but there were times where that 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 was definitely a learning curve to just gently say, well, look, this is this is where the roles are, you know? And I think that's always a very important thing, without being like a megalomaniac. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like on Night Shift, I think where I learned the most was longevity of a project. And by that, I mean like realizing a short that you shoot over three days is one thing, but realizing a feature that like we shot that in 15 days with a pickup day. So like that's, that's pretty crazy. We're shooting nights, you know? So trying to keep things consistent it's kind of more like I didn't realize how much work it would be until I was in the thick of it and going, oh my God, it's so much work. But it's so rewarding and it's so nice to have it out there in the world. 
got pirated loads. Okay. <laughs> like thousands of times people pirated. But at the same time, I watch movies, not always legally, right? Like everybody, you know? And there I see my film on YouTube. <laughs> so that actually means somebody cared about it enough to rip it and put it up, which is a cool, annoying, but cool thing <laughs> at the same time, you know? If somebody was going to go and make a feature film, I would just say, like, really think about it. Think about every small little aspect because it's not the same as shooting a short. Mm. And it's endurance. It's you're running a marathon. A short is a sprint, a feature is a marathon because it does not end when you have your edit done. You then have to get it graded. You have to get subtitles. You know, like you have to think about all these little things that you're like, wow, okay, never thought about that. And the, li- like the list of jobs just go on and on and on. So it's super important that you really think about the scope of how big a feature is but also enjoy all the aspects and even though this was massive and it was a huge amount of work it was such a good experience that I can now take that into the next film and realise that I don't have to write it direct it, like edit it, do the visual effects I can take a step back so that was that was probably the most valuable piece of education that I got in it Okay, can you talk me through how Sony ended up acquiring Night Shift? I'm going to cycle back a year right? So Paul and I, our first year in Cannes, we went to the marketplace. It's a giant, giant floor that just has loads of stalls for different film companies and everybody under the sun, right? And as you go in the main door, there is this huge uh, booth, um, Archstone. They're a distribution company. And we're always like, yeah, really cool to go to them. No, no, they're too big, they're too big. And we actually did try and set up a meeting with the feature script that we had, but we're kind of just fobbed off, basically. But the following year then, we come back and we have Night Shift. But I think that year, the, the day we flew out was the 18th of May. And the day that we wrapped shooting was the 10th of May. So in the eight days in between wrapping and flying out, I cut 33 minutes of the film and like <laughs> slept in the office. And what we decided was that we'd give like a 20 minute sizzle reel that we could show to them and say like, look, we don't have the film done. Here's the bones of the film. Here's some of the good scenes, some of the plot points and, you know, horror moments and stuff. Basically, do you like it? So this was our party piece that we were going to go around and show. As well with that, we had a two-minute kind of teaser trailer. Really, we kind of got like a nice technique down, which was we'd go straight up to a stall. We'd say, we have a two-minute teaser trailer just to show you here, just see are you interested. Here, have a look. Hand them the iPad. Show them the two-minute uh, two teaser trailer. It's a tongue twister. Tongue twister, yeah. <laughs> um, And hopefully then at the end of that they'd say yeah we like it let's set up a meeting um, and luckily that actually happened a fair bit so it was it was quite nice and what we do then is ahead of meeting the second time we'd send them this 20 minute reel and that's exactly what we did with Archstone we were really lucky in fact like it was like it was so tight getting that done the night that we were flying out stayed up all night finished it and I I left the office with my suitcase and all my stuff to go to Cannes and it was still rendering, and I had to have my partner upload it for me. So that by the time we landed, uh, it was all up and it was all ready to go and send off to people on Vimeo and stuff. But like, it's just cutting it tight, but that's, that's the way it's done. Everything, everything good's born in fire, you know what I mean? So yeah. like, you have to have like that, that real push. But yeah, that's, like, that's exactly what we did. Teaser trailer, are you interested? Let's have a meeting. Here's the, the, the 20 minute reel. And it was always a, a possibility that Sony would be interested, you know? So they ended up taking up the DVD distribution um, in North America, which was massive for us. When it came out on DVD, I actually just happened to be um, 
over in the States. So I was able to walk into a Walmart, I pick up my DVD off the shelf and actually buy my own DVD, which was really cool. Like, yeah. and it's on my mantelpiece at home now. <laughs> what has the reception been like? It's been mixed, because look, it's horror, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's something that, it's a divisive thing as well, because, you know, I, I like to do things that are a bit more heady, you know, we think about it a little bit more. The thing is, like, look, there's always going to be the YouTube comments section on whatever you do, but the fact of the matter is that, like, I've, I've had lovely messages sent to me through Instagram and my social media, stuff like that, from people that, that, that have watched it and liked it. it. The film itself has opened doors for me, so, you know, I'm happy. What's next for you? Do you think you'll stick with her? Yes. <laughs> um, I love her. I really do, because I just think it's like, it's such a fun way to make people feel something, you know? Um, like, I think I, I did a short that was a comedy in the past. I didn't really feel it. It wasn't that funny. Okay. <laughs> um, and, like, I've done drama, and I do enjoy, enjoy drama an awful lot. And I do have a couple of drama scripts in me that... I'm waiting to make but right now horror is totally where it's at and like that's that's totally where I want to be and as well make an indie film it's a lot easier to make a horror film than it is to make a drama because I don't know about you but if you're in the mood to watch a horror and you see a really kick-ass poster you're probably gonna watch that because you're not gonna be concerned with oh who's in it if you're in the mood to watch a drama I don't know is it just me but I would almost nine times out of ten pick one that I go oh I know that person from blah 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 yeah so like realistically, indie film, it's unlikely that you're going to get someone that is a very known household name, you know? And it's always cool to have a kick-ass poster too. So horror, just, I don't know, all those things, they just take all the boxes for me. And I love scaring people. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything looking back that you'd change? What I would change is I would have done a festival run first. So we... We kind of did things our ways, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, usually you get your film, you go to festivals, and then you sell it. We skipped the festivals and went straight to selling the film, which I think I think the goal at the end of festivals is to be able to sell the film. That's one of the goals anyway. You know, it's great that we did immediately meet our goal, but at the same time, it would be nice to go to festivals and have the qualifying run for just getting out there, mm-hmm. you know? But, I don't, I, you know, you can't do that now without a DVD kind of a thing. But yeah, that's that's definitely a thing I change. I have two kind of questions, but also they're they're really the same question. What would you give advice-wise to people that want to get into film, or what would you say to your thirteen-year-old self? I'll answer the thirteen-year-old first, right? Okay. <laughs> the thirteen-year-old, I would say, like, keep messing with putting lightsabers in pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like look. I'd say just go and do it but do it earlier there's something about getting started early and do youtube like that's sorry just cut across myself here this is exactly what i'd say to my 13 year old self get a youtube channel and do it right because i think that is the biggest and best way to grow your audience and i look at other creators on the platform that um you know they started a tiny youtube channel and now they're, they're they're making massive things. You know, like Filmride is a massive channel that like is a huge resource, and they're making incredible, incredible stuff. Corridor Digital is another one. They're amazing visual effects artists, though. So that'd be why. You know, but that's what I say to my 13-year-old self because it's always easier to build your audience and then migrate your audience with you. You know, um, so totally like stepping aside, making films for a sec. You make your films, 
you tell everybody how you made them, put that on YouTube. You do that enough times, I'm about to turn 29. I would have had a long time to go and do that, you know? Yeah, like, I think that's that's a big thing. The other thing I'd say is reel it in. Because my first, like, my first few films were, like, that 40-minute film. That was a sci-fi set in the future about a cop that uh, saw something he shouldn't. And he has a memory implant. Like, it's crazy, like, right? And he had to have that piece erased. Um, and has to hunt down the evil crime lord now. Like, it's crazy. Okay. Reel it in, right? And this leads on to what I'd say to somebody to go make, like, somebody wants to go, to go and get into film. Get a simple story. Write a script about two people having a conversation in their kitchen. But make the conversation a good one. You know, that's how you're going to train yourself in, first of all, how to deal with actors. You know, how to how to get your message across to them. Like, that's so important. You might have the best, the best vision in your head. And they can be the best actors in the world. But if you can't dictate that vision, not dictate that vision, but like explain that vision you know they're not gonna be able to understand it and then put their put their art in it like you know yeah is there anything you think that young filmmakers should definitely watch you know who's done it right like i think i think any young filmmaker should just consume like go and just binge watch loads of things something that i used to do when i was when i was younger was i was mad for buying dvds like i bought so many dvds and the reason why i bought them was because generally nearly every film had a director's commentary on it so it was so cool being able to listen to those filmmakers speak about how they made things why they made things you get little insights into like the way things were done and that was incredible and that was so formative for me like it's it's a shame that we don't have that really as much anymore um it's like you know everybody's watching stuff on netflix and all that but again stuff is more readily available and you can watch you can go and binge watch loads of things on netflix and just educate because i think like you kind of have to know where you came from to know where you're going. So, like, you got to watch stuff. you got to see what you're interested in. And, like, that's why I went and made, like, like I said, a comedy short. And I went, not for me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I love comedy movies. I love watching comedies. But it's just, I, I don't think I can hit that tone. But horror, again, that's something that is like, oh, my God, yeah. I went deep dive into, like, like old horror films, like driller killer and like, <laughs> like all crazy stuff like that and i think that's just it's the way to go consume all of it and see what sticks with you like you know okay where can people follow you if they want to keep up to date with what you're doing i'd say steve hall film is my instagram that's that's probably the handiest way because like i'm actually kind of quiet on instagram but i'm kind of you know i'm one of those people that go oh, yeah yeah geez i better make it better make a little bit of a better effort there I, I do have a YouTube channel that I wish I told my 13-year-old self to go make. <laughs> um, and I used to do vlogs, but I'm going to do something different with the channel. I've got a few things planned that I want to do with that. So that is Steve Hall Vlogs is the channel. It's going to change. and uh, The name is going to be something around Movie Mayhem. Search Movie Mayhem, Steve Hall, and you should be able to find me. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me.